Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. In fact, today as we look back again at the Christmas story, uh, we're going to look at a chaotic time. The story of Christmas, as much as we look at peace on earth, goodwill to men, if we take a look at the political landscape and we take a look at the religious landscape, we look a look at, the, at the, the season in which Jesus came, it was a very chaotic time. But yet, when we take a look at that, in spite of the uncertainty, we can see that God was very much in control. How many know God is in control? Amen? God is in control. And so we're going to press past the traditional Christmas passages today, and we're going to discover that you can trust God in uncertain times. In fact, today we're going to focus on the sovereignty of God as He can lead and direct us through the uncertainty of the future. So to set the scene of what we're going to look at today, the Magi who had come that we celebrate in the the Christmas story as they had come bringing their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, as they they come, they have just left the scene. And after they left their scene and and made their way back to the east, before their journey was even complete, uh, as they come, they find the Christ child, the Messiah, and they ended up seeing this, this unexpected king to be born, king of the Jews. And as they were making Making their way, they thought he would be in Jerusalem, and so they stopped by. Where would you find a king? You'd find him in a palace, right? And so they stopped by saying, Hey, we're gonna find out. Does Herod know? Does anybody in Herod's kingdom know? Maybe the child was born here in this kingdom. And and no, we haven't even what is this? And so they began to search, and, and Herod said, Well, make search. Where is this, where is this king? Where is this Messiah to be born? Bethlehem of Judea. And so he told them, go ahead and make your way and then come back and tell me what's going on here. And so as they went there, they saw Jesus and uh, warned in a dream, they were told not to return to Herod for Herod wanted to kill Jesus to protect his throne. And it's at this point that we pick up the story, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 13. And this is the Magi, when they had gone, this is what happened. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. And he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he, meaning Joseph, Joseph is the one that got this dream, got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Oftentimes this passage of scripture is referred to as the flight to Egypt. There's a story that I read about a little boy happened to be in his Sunday school class, and, and the teacher said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to draw a picture of, of one of the, one of the passages, one of the stories in the Bible. Here's what you're going to do. Just draw a picture of that. And so the little boy got to work, and he drew a picture of a jet airliner, a jet airliner. And the teacher was kind of, wow, that's, that's kind of interesting. What, what story is that in the Bible? And, and he said, well, you know. The story that I'm talking about is the time they flew baby Jesus, baby Jesus to Egypt. 
And she said, oh, that's right, okay, the flight to Egypt. But as the teacher began to look at the picture in the plane, she noticed that there were four windows in the plane, and there were four people in the windows, and so she was kind of curious, and she said, well, who are the, who are the people in the windows? And, and he said, well, that's, the, that's Mary, and that's Joseph, and that's the baby Jesus. And she said, well, who's the, who's the fourth one? And he said, well, that's Pontius, the pilot. Sorry. I just had to do a bad dad joke. (laughs) No, what we're talking about is what happened is really it's not a plane. They had to travel 75 miles by foot. There was a dream and in the middle of the night all of a sudden an angel appeared and said, you're in danger. You're in danger. Danger. Hey, hey, Joseph, Herod wants to kill your baby, your toddler about this time. Herod, Herod wants to to kill Jesus, you got to get out, you got to flee, you got to go to Egypt. Can you imagine the disruption? The disruption in their lives? In fact, as we look at the wonder of Christ's birth and we see the, that what happened on that, that time that we celebrate the shepherds, you know, we love that. The shepherds hear about the angels, glory to God in the heavens, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? Peace, where's the peace here? You see the shepherds showing up and and they're telling about the angels and it says Mary pondered all of these things in their heart and they went out and and shared and people were kind of wondering themselves, what is this all about? And, and, And they understood how jealous Herod was and the tension that this could cause. And then you, you, then you, you, that's followed by them eight days later, they go into the temple and we talked about Simeon and Anna and their declarations of who Jesus is and you can't help but go, wow, what a wonderful time this is. Isn't this great? And then the magi from the east, and you get a different picture, but now all of a sudden there's a cause of concern for Joseph and Mary, and once again they are led on a journey, but this time out of Israel and to a foreign land as refugees in the land of Egypt. Matthew 2, 16 to 18 continues, when Herod realized that they were outwitted, that he had been outwitted by the magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in the vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is a difficult story for us to read. In fact, I'm not sure how many pastors are preaching on this passage today. (laughs) It's a hard passage. The theological point, though, that Matthew is trying to make throughout this passage is that God is working out His purpose in the midst of a world that is dead set against His plans. That's what we see. The the bigger picture that we see is that God is working out His purpose. That in the midst of a world that is dead set against God's plan, God is working out His purpose. God is still in control even in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty. Does that sound familiar? This is in a time when ordinary life was cheap. For Herod, killing the, the babies was no big deal. Ordinary life was cheap, but not to God. God is working out His purpose. We see an example of this in Luke's story of the nativity. Jesus arrives in Bethlehem as a result of a a particular event. What was that event? It was a decision by a Roman emperor, Augustus Caesar, that would require a census for everybody to go back to their ancestral towns. 
No regard for people's lives. No regard for what was happening in their world. No regard for how that would disrupt the commerce in their day or the economy of their day. Augustus Caesar didn't care. He said, you know what? At this time, I want to count and see how many people are in my kingdom. So guess what? Your lives are disrupted, and I'm going to make it that you have to go back to your ancestral times. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. How many times have we seen that? When government and people decide to make people in charge make decisions with no regard for what it does to you or me personally, they just make decisions and it disrupts the very fabric of our lives. Have we seen that in 2020? Absolutely. And yet we see it here in the Bible, and yet at the same time, God is at work. Why? Because at this time, Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth, but prophecy said that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Oh, does God not know the timing of things? Is God not in control? And yet, what do we see? We see that Joseph had to make his way, and because of the circumstances, he took Mary, who was nine months pregnant with him, and there in Bethlehem, Jesus was born. Friends, God is in control. God is in control. God is working his purpose out. In fact, the complete Christmas story is about poor refugees that had to flee for their lives from an evil dictator. God didn't bring his his son into a safe world. He didn't bring his son into a peaceful environment, but into a sinful, troubled world that we still see all around us today. But in all of it, God is sovereignly in control, working out his eternal purpose in people for his glory. As we dive a little deeper into the word today, we're going to see that we can trust God and his sovereignty even when evil seems to prevail. In fact, three reasons we can trust God in uncertain times. The first is this. We can trust God to give us direction. We can trust God to give us direction. One of my favorite verses, Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. He'll make straight your paths. This is a promise in God's word, and we see it very clearly through the Christmas stories of the Bible. In fact, we see God's direction to Joseph in a dream, and, and, and he confirms again uh, that he confirms again his direction. Why? Because what do we have? We see earlier on in the Christmas story what happens. Mary is told that she's going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when you take a look at that story, you say, oh boy, how is this going to work out? And yet God appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, I want you to take Mary to be your wife. God was confirming his direction. Roman Caesar, or Caesar Augustus, excuse me, the Roman emperor issued that census that caused Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem. Why? Because God had already prophesied about where the baby should be born. We talked about that. In fact, we learn from Scripture that God's not a, 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 a passive uh, spectator in the theater of human events. Rather, he ordains the events for his own glory, and he had a chosen place and time for the Savior to be born. In fact, Galatians, Paul writes it this way, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Note the beginning of that. Did you see it? But when, when the set time had fully come, there was a set time. God has a set time. You know, Advent is that season that, that looks back at the promise of, of the awaiting and the coming of the Messiah. But you know what? There is a second coming of Jesus Christ, and God has set a time. 
God has a set time. God has a time in which he is going to fulfill that promise and Jesus is going to return. And nothing that happens that tries to come against that in this this world is going to prevent what God has promised from happening. God sets the direction. In Matthew 2, 2, the Magi Ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And in Micah 5, 2, the chief priests and scribes knew that the Messiah, the ruler, would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Clearly, God had directed the Magi through the star to make that long journey to Bethlehem to see this young child. Also, God actively intervened to warn the Magi not to return back to Herod and to warn Joseph to flee to Egypt. And then later on, we see God continuing to direct Joseph, starting in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 2. It says this, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. What we see throughout this passage is that God is actively directing Joseph and Mary. God is actively directing their steps in their lives. Even when it meant a detour, God was involved. God is actively involved in our own lives. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many of the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. You and I make our plans, we have our plans, but as we put ourselves in trusting the almighty God, we find that God will direct our lives, and sometimes that means detours we didn't see coming and we didn't expect. Yet God is directing and we can trust his directions. There's nothing wrong with with making plans, but we must trust the Lord. One way that we see this is if we go back to Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 10, we find the, when the Magi find Jesus, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Did you catch it? Where did they come and see him? Where did they come and see the baby? Did they see him in a stable? Did they see him in a stable some back? Did they see him in a manger somewhere, wrapped in swaddling cloth? No, what's it say? It says, upon coming to the house. See, unlike the traditional nativity stories where you see the shepherds and the magi all together, I'm not trying to crush anyone's dreams here. And judging by the time that, that, that Herod had said, I want you to, you know, knowing the time of the magi and what they had said when they first saw the star, uh, you know, kill all the baby boys two and under, we, we, can, we can believe that Jesus was over a year old, maybe even pushing two by the time the magi came to visit. It was, it was sometime later, sometime later that they, they come to visit. And you know, what we can surmise from this is that following the birth of Jesus, remember, Nazareth was Joseph's home in Galilee. Nazareth was, was their home, but yet here we find them almost two years later still in Bethlehem. Why? Well, I can imagine that probably when you take the events that had happened, the shepherds showing up and the amazing things, and then eight days later going into the temple and, and, and Simeon and Anna saying what they said, Joseph probably thought, you know what? We need a fresh start. 
You know, with all the rumors, Mary being pregnant before we were formally married and, and all of that, the rumors that are going around, I, I mean, that's pretty hard on the reputation and I'm not sure, I'm not sure we should go back there. You know what? God directed us here. Let's just do a reset. Let's get a house. I'm going to start to establish myself as a carpenter and my carpenter business. You know, I mean, I'm just surmising here, all right? That's no details in the scripture. But I can imagine because these are the, th- these are the ways that you and I reason things, our own understanding, right? Hey, it's bad there. It's good here. People here are accepting this. They're not accepting it there. Let's stay here. Let's reset. And it's just getting settled. I mean, you're just getting your you're just getting your friendships and your relationships. You're just getting your business off the ground. And then all of a sudden, man, it's good. Look at these magi out of nowhere. What is this? See, more confirmation only to find that that the next step is a dream that says, hey, Herod wants to kill you. You've got to get up and go. And, and, And what the scripture really says is they got up in the middle of the night, which means that almost instantaneously when they awoke from the dream, they hurried up, gathered all their stuff because they didn't know when it was coming, and they rushed a 75 mile journey with a toddler. There was no cars. All right, we're not talking Uber. There's not a bus, there's not a train. And like that little story, there's not a plane with Pontius Pilate. Pontius the pilot, no. A 75-mile journey to an unknown land as a refugee to start all over again. Yet why? Because God was directing the steps because the prophet Isaiah had said this in Hosea 11:1, 1, Hosea, not Isaiah, had said this, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. See, God was at work. God was providing the direction, even though it was a detour, even though it was an interruption, God was directing their steps for his purpose. And then, again, God had directed Joseph, hey, it's time, it's safe, you can go back to Israel. Well, Joseph had in mind, hey, we're going back to Israel, you know what? Let's go back to Bethlehem. Let's go back to the region of Judea. Let's go back there. And then all of a sudden, what do we see once again? Matthew 2, and 23, but when he heard that Archelaus, Archelaus, something like that, was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod. He was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Did you see it? Once again, Joseph has in mind, I want to go here. And God says, no, don't go here, go there. Wait a minute, we want to go back to Nazareth? They, 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 they're, they, they're never going to believe this. I mean, I know there's been some time, but, but time doesn't always heal some things, right? I mean, oh, we got to go back and we got to face this. But why? Because God had spoken through the prophets. And what you see throughout Scripture is that God fulfills every one of his promises through Christ Jesus. Everything the prophets talked about in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Jesus. Why? Because God is directing things. God is directing his life. But couldn't God keep Jesus safe uh, from Herod in Israel? Why did he have to go to Egypt? Because God was fulfilling his prophecy. God's direction and leading is not always easy, but we can trust that he's at work fulfilling his purpose. If you wear a watch, somebody asks you for the time, what do you do? You look down at the face of the watch, you see the face, right? And you tell the time, you trust that the time is correct by looking at the face of the watch, or many times now, on our phone, right? 
But underneath all of that are some tiny gears and mechanisms and now computer systems, depending on what type of watch you have. All these little things that are at work underneath. All you see is the face, but you don't see all the little things that are at work underneath. And friends, when you're dealing with the providence of God, oftentimes we all can look at what's at face value. What are we seeing right now? We don't see all of the things that are underneath, all the little ways that God is working out His divine purpose and plan. But just like the watch, when you look down and you say, oh yeah, it's this time, and I can trust this time because I don't see all the gears that are working, but I know it's this time. So you can trust God because God is directing your life. God is directing you and leading you even in the midst of uncertainty and although you can't see why all the little gears are working the way they are you can trust that his timing is always perfect God's timing is always perfect secondly today why can we trust God in uncertain times we can trust God for protection we can trust God for protection you see throughout the the story of Christ's birth and early life we see God's protection Again, God had visited Joseph, why? When he was considering what to do with his betrothed Mary. He's considering what to do. What do I do with this story? She says that she's pregnant and what's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. How do I, how do I trust that? How do I believe that? I don't know. I want to do what's right, but I don't want to shame her publicly. I think I ought to just separate and maybe divorce her quietly. I'm kind of considering these things. And yet, what did God do when Mary trusted the Lord and said, you know what? Let it be to me as you have said. God protected Mary. By appearing to Joseph and saying, what she says is true, take her. Mary didn't know that. She didn't know how Joseph would react. All she did was trust God. And by trusting God, she saw that God protected that relationship. And in that, gave Mary, who would have been an unwed mother, whose daddy could have disowned her because of what she did. Her own parents could have disowned her and kicked her out. Joseph, her betrothed, could have divorced her quietly and said, I want nothing to do with you. And in that day and age, women really couldn't work very much and something very bad could have happened to Mary. But no, 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 God protected her. We see that. We see God's protection. And in that way, he's protecting Mary. And now we see once again, God is at work here in Bethlehem. God's was God's plan. God led them to Bethlehem. That was a part of his direction. But yet it was a time period in which Herod uh, lived and Herod was out for blood. Herod wanted to kill. But yet what do we see in this passage? We see once again, God's protection comes as he redirects, directs the Magi. These Gentiles from the east, they weren't even his people not to return to Herod. Matthew 2.12, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. See, if they would have gone back to Herod, what would have happened? Very easily they could have said, this is where Jesus is. And, and again, maybe another dream. Maybe Joseph gets out because God is in control. But there was a strict possibility that they, they could have faced danger, that Jesus could have been killed, that Mary and Joseph themselves could have been killed. But God directed Gentile magi and said, don't go back that way. Why? Because God is a God who protects. He protects we see a second intervention again when born Joseph to flee to Egypt and then guided them as, as, as refugees out of the land of Israel to this foreign land, protecting them because in protecting his ultimate plan of salvation. 
A third intervention, when he was directed to come back to Israel, God protected them by saying, you know what, don't go back to Bethlehem and Judea, go to Nazareth. Don't go back there. All of this, as God is directing, God is also protecting. And I want to encourage you, friends, when you can trust the Lord in uncertain times because he will protect you. God will protect you this year. It doesn't mean that your journey is going to be easy. It's not going to be what you desire all the time. It certainly wasn't, I'm sure, for Joseph and Mary. I'm sure they didn't desire to be refugees in Egypt. I'm sure they didn't desire any of the difficulties as they experienced. Yet God was protecting them the entire way because God protects those who trust in him. Psalm 91 is a wonderful psalm of God's protection. It says this, verses 9 and 10, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you and no disaster will be near your tent. And throughout this time, throughout their travels, what we see is God is the one who is protecting. He's protecting in the, in, in, in the midst of disgrace. He protected the future of this young girl named Mary, this young poor widow. He protected her. Joseph could have chosen again to ignore the warnings and the dreams. I'm not going to Egypt. I'm not doing that. But he didn't. He followed the Lord's direction and the Lord's instruction, and he obeyed the Lord at every turn. And as a result of that, he experienced God's protection. You see, there's a key here. God wants to protect us, but we have to trust him. And how do we do that? We do that by obeying his instructions. By obeying his instructions. When we obey the Lord, we live under the shadow of the Almighty. We live under his protection. Even when we don't understand, if we will obey the warnings and the instructions of the Lord, we can find that even in uncertain detours that come into our lives, that we can trust the Lord. Proverbs 133 says this, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Listening and obeying the instructions of the Lord is key. And as we approach 2021 and all of its uncertainty, let me encourage you to obey the Lord. Trust the Lord. Obey His instructions and you will find yourself under the protection no matter what twists and turns await this year. Thirdly, we can trust the Lord in uncertain times. We can trust Him for His provision. For His provision. You know, one of the amazing details that oftentimes gets overlooked is something that took place with the visit from the Magi in the, in the Christmas story. It just so happens, again, after the Magi departs, that that's, that happens to be the timing when God warns Joseph in a dream to make that 75-mile track to Egypt as a foreigner. Again, not knowing anyone. It wasn't like he had a job where, where he knew I'm getting a job transfer and we're going to move to this city and I already have a job set up and I already know how much I'm going to make and I already know that we're going to have health insurance and we're going to be protected and all of that. Joseph didn't know any of that. For all we know, he had just gotten the business, just gotten set up, just being the provider for his family, and now all of a sudden there's a dream, and he's being whooshed away, and here he goes, and we're going to start all over again. How are we going to afford to make it in Egypt? How are we going to afford to do this? And again, with so much uncertainty for Joseph, we read this in Matthew 2, 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And look at this, they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's the significance? Well, we know that, that uh, we don't know how many magi, we, we always see in the Christmas story three, but to be honest with you, that's the, the, there was three different types of gifts. Doesn't mean there was only three magi, there might have been a lot more. 
We don't know how much, but we do know that they brought gifts. They brought expensive gifts. And we know that, that pointing, it was very symbolic of Jesus' kingship and very symbolic of what he would do as a priest, very symbolic as his great high priest who would give his life on the cross. That each of those gifts does have some spiritual significance that point the way forward. But I want you to see something else. What, what we see in this is that before God had directed them to Egypt, God was already providing for them. Gold and frankincense and myrrh were, were, were things that they could live on. They were things that provided for them for the journey. Why? Because they didn't know what was ahead, but God did, and God had already provided for them. And friends, we don't know what's ahead. We oftentimes don't know the uncertainty of a new year, but I want you to know you can trust God because God will provide for you. God already sees it. He already knows what's coming, and He's already made provision for you. Some of you fell asleep already. Man, when we take a look back, I want to just go look back for a moment. We look back at, at, at when God delivered Israel out of Egypt. They were a nation of slaves, and here they were about to go on a journey, but God had already made the way for provision for them. Exodus 12, 36, the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward his people, and they gave them whatever they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. This nation of slaves all of a sudden came out with a lot of possessions and a lot of wealth, and they came out already plundering the Egyptians. As they were there, uh, as they were on their journey, God provided water from a rock, manna from heaven, quail to, to eat. He provided protection from the heat with the pillar of sun by day, and he or the pillar of cloud by day, protection from them, and he provided warmth by night with a pillar of fire as they were making their way through the wilderness. Friends, God provides. God provides. In fact, God provided for their entire journey. And in Deuteronomy 29.5, it says, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. God provided for his people in the midst of the uncertainty. And friends, I'm going to tell you, God will provide for you. God will provide for you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as we get ready to close. Here's the bottom line, friends. We stand on the threshold of a new calendar year. 2021. And you know what? Who knows what twists and turns and detours are going to come. But I can tell you this, you can trust God in the midst of the uncertainty. You can trust God in the midst of the uncertainty. You can trust him. You know, life is full of changes. Some of those things we choose, like for instance, going off to college. I've got one that, that will be going off to college later on this year. That's a choice. That's a change. That's a, that's a choice. You're starting a new job. But there's some things we don't expect. Maybe the death of a loved one or a failure of a marriage, devastation of a storm or a life-altering diagnosis. You know, many have lost so much this year. So many have struggled with the changes. And we don't know what this new year holds, but I can tell you that even if things get topsy-turvy, even if the rug gets pulled out from under us, friends, we can trust God. We can trust God. We're not the first to face the uncertainty of an uncertain future, but like those who have gone before, God beckons us and says, will you trust me to direct you? Will you trust me to protect you? Will you trust me to provide for you? Will you trust me and follow my instructions? And I will guide you. Psalmist writes this in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? 
I want to close with an old song we used to sing, an old, old gospel chorus when I was growing up that, that we used to sing, and sometimes it just comes back in my head, just one of those songs that comes back in my head, and one of those promises that I just love. And it goes like this, I don't know about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn gray. I don't worry about the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today he walks beside me, for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Friends, you can trust God. In the midst of the uncertainty, you can trust the Lord. Let's pray. As you're here and you need prayer today, you say, you know, I'm just facing some uncertainty in my life and I need prayer. Maybe you're online and you say, I'm facing some uncertainty in my life. Will you just mention, hey, I need prayer for this so we can be praying for you this week. If you're in here and you need prayer, I want to pray for you. You can trust the Lord. Father, we just lift up right now those that are facing uncertainty. Lord, those that are struggling to find peace, those that are struggling to find hope, those that are struggling to find direction, those, Lord, that just are struggling because they don't know where the provision is going to come from. Lord, I just pray that today we would be infused with hope. We would be infused with faith that, God, you would just begin to stir us in our hearts that we look at this story and we say this is just one of many and we can trust you. We choose to trust you, Lord. We choose to obey you, Lord. We choose to trust you and to know that no matter what, that, God, you're the one who directs and you're the one who protects and you're the one who provides we thank you today and we put our trust in you if you need to put your trust in Jesus maybe for the first time for salvation today I invite you to do that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved Jesus we just put our trust in you we put our faith in you we ask you Lord for your forgiveness and for your salvation today We put our trust and our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you gave your life to Christ today, if you're watching online, will you let us know that? Will you let us know that in the comments or will you download our app and fill out the decision card that's under the Connect tab there? We'd really love to hear from you or email us at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.